You're listening to Decisive Point. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. I'm talking today with Maria W.R. DeGuay, author of Reflexive Control, Influencing Strategic Behavior, which was published in the winter 2023-24 issue of Parameters. DeGuay is a research fellow at the Changing Character of War Center at Pembroke College, Oxford University. Welcome to Decisive Point, Maria. Thank you for having me. What is reflexive control and what are the steps of applying it? Reflexive control is at its core about changing the other's perceptions of what their utility sets look like and what they see as their best choices. To dive into that a little bit deeper and to explore what that means in theory and in practice, in order to do that, you need to develop a good understanding of how this other agent is perceiving what a situation looks like and what this other agent perceives to be their best choices within their perception of the situation. When you're developing such an understanding, you want to include subjective aspects, such as likely biases, blind spots and noise, their ethical systems, is the end likely to justify the means or not? And you want to know about their likely goals, spanning timelines, and very importantly, you want to know, or at least think about, how the other perceives you, and how they perceive their relationship with you, and how that then fits within the situation, and how that affects your interaction. In short, in reflexive control, you want to gain insight into what the other's perceptual world looks like. You want to understand the other's perceptual world specifically, because in reflexive control, it is key to understand that whereas objective reality, of course, exists, it is highly unlikely that anyone actually bases their decision making on this objective reality. Rather, it's far more likely that the decision making is based on a subjective understanding of what this reality looks like. Therefore, it means that you have to look at subjective utility sets, subjective probabilities, and work towards developing a form of subjective net assessment. These are concepts I think we could really develop in more detail in such a way that we can use them in practice in analyses. It might be good to mention at this point that reflexive control involves a couple of different steps. The first part of reflexive control is what I just talked about, a reflexive analysis. The second step of reflexive control involves a part where you move to a larger emphasis on influence. This is where you have to start thinking about what the other agent likely perceives as their options and goals. Taking into account the outcome of the reflexive analysis you've done, and what you'd need these goals to be in order to meet your objectives. You'd look at what the other agent perceives to be their goals and best decisions, and then you think about what the other agent would have to decide and what they would have to do in order for this behavior to be beneficial to your goals and objectives rather than theirs. You then conduct a subjectiveness assessment with the aim to analyze how you could make the other misperceive what options they have and what their best choices are in such a way that they can make decisions that are good for you and not necessarily good for them. With a normal net assessment, this includes a critical analysis of yourself, in this case explicitly including an analysis of how you are being perceived by the other and what the different scenarios of interaction could be. You then perhaps decide to use this reflexive control on the other which gives you a unique testing and learning opportunity and providing you with a feedback loop. 
If your reflexive control works, you've likely been correct in your analysis. And if it didn't work, you have the opportunity to learn from this and find out why it didn't work. This could, for example, be because your analysis was incorrect, or perhaps it was correct, but there was an interfering external factor. Either way, you need to learn from this and implement the result of your analysis for next time. So you keep improving your model. That way, you might not have achieved your short-term goal of steering behavior now, but it's still been useful to you in the longer run. Before concluding, I can make three quick points about reflexive control that I think are important to highlight. Firstly, reflexive control has its roots in systems theory. It takes a complex adaptive systems approach to analysis. This means that you have to understand that situations are nonlinear. That means that everything can influence everything else and that there are no fixed variables. This in turn means that it's highly unlikely that we can meaningfully reduce reflexive control to a solvable equation or that you can completely control the outcomes. Anything that is reflexive control and the analysis therein would be a probabilistic assessment with multiple possible outcomes. Secondly, on the point of control, we say reflexive control because of how the concept was translated from Russian. But it could have also been translated as, for example, reflexive management. We really shouldn't get too fixated on this point of control. Thirdly, there are indications that Russia is or has been using reflexive control. In reality, we don't know if they can pull it off in practice. In my opinion, the question of whether they use it or not is relatively unimportant. The way I see it, reflexive control is a concept that we can learn from because it contains valuable elements which we can shape and develop further and could include in our analysis an influence of strategic behaviour. If Russia or others do use reflexive control, or the idea of it, the development of these concepts could improve our resilience against it. And if they're not, it's still a very interesting opportunity to improve how we analyse and influence strategic behaviour. In summary, I think it's helpful to see reflexive control as a nonlinear and complex adaptive systems approach to the interaction between perception, influence and behaviour, with at its core the aim of changing the other's perceptions about their utility sets, of making the other misperceive what options they have and what their best choices are. What value is there in further developing the concepts of a subject net assessment and subjective utility sets? I think the concepts of the subjective probabilities, subjective utility sets and the subjective net assessments are specifically valuable concepts in how I interpret reflexive control. These concepts are not entirely new. They have already been explored to some extent in the existing literature in behavioural economics by Daniel Kahneman, for example, and in international relations by Robert Jervis. Jervis and Kahneman, amongst others, have done phenomenal work at making a start at developing these concepts. But we're not quite there yet. There's still quite a lot of work to do with regard to translating this from a conceptual idea into something that is more usable and practical. I think analysis of strategic behaviour could really benefit from putting these concepts at the heart of this sort of analysis. Because in the end, it's the perception of the situation that determines an actor's actions not the actual situation or the factual objective truth. It is, of course, very difficult to include someone else's perceptions into an analysis correctly. 
But in my opinion, that doesn't mean that we should not try to find ways in which we can at least get better at this. I think it would be good to aim to get to a point where we are good enough. We don't have to get it completely right, but it would be good to make fewer mistakes. If we can become better at including perception into analysis of strategic behaviour through the development and inclusion of these subjective concepts, it also means that we can become better at influencing such behaviour. This would then have many positive implications for, for example, deterrence, but also for effective defence engagement in general. Do you have any concluding thoughts you'd like to share on this topic? I know it's really hard, but I think we really need to become better at the analysis and influence of strategic behaviour. I'm very keen to contribute to that. I'm keen to develop this research further because I think it could have interesting potential practical applications, especially at the grant strategic level. If you agree with me and you think that there's something to this and you're interested in this research because you want to use it, or perhaps because you are an academic who's working on similar things, or perhaps because you have constructive criticism, please do get in touch because I'm always very keen to make sure that my research is relevant and useful to both academics and practitioners. Thank you for making time to speak with me today, Maria. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, you can read the article at press.armywarcollege.edu slash parameters. Look for Volume 53, Issue 4. For more Army War College podcasts on similar topics, check out Decisive Point, SSI Live, and A Better Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, you can find us on any major podcast platform.